Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. I think that's my water. If it's not, in Jesus' name, bless it. Amen. Amen. I think we're good. Amen. Yes, sir. Hebrews 10, 25. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now. Everybody say especially now, right? Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, over the years, but definitely more recently, oh, by the way, anybody in a gray uh, Taurus uh, or Prius, please see one of our guest services representatives. They need to tag in with you if you're driving a gray Prius. Uh, Charlie, now I remember what you were waving your hand about. Amen. Over the years, but definitely more recently, uh, with many churches that had closed their doors for a long period of time during COVID, there, we found out that a lot of attitudes have shifted about churches, right? Uh, for example, there's uh, estimates that almost 20% of churches that closed their doors when the COVID crisis began will not be reopening their doors at all. That's pretty staggering, isn't it? Uh, it it's crazy to think that way, that, that it had that big of an impact. Uh, but there's a lot of different attitudes about church that have been changing, not just in the last 18 months, but over the last couple of decades. We've seen a shift, haven't we? I just recently had someone say something to me this past week that I've heard many times over the years in different variations, and that was this. They said they loved the Lord, but they were done with church. Anybody ever heard anything like that? Anybody ever heard that before? They still love Jesus, but they were finished with being involved in church. Now, I didn't challenge it and I look forward to unpacking that conversation at another time with them since we're friends. But it also confirms something that I felt like I wanted to talk about for quite a while, and that's this, and it's the subject of my sermon today, and we're just going to dive right in into the deep weeds and tackle some of the tough subjects. Are you ready? Here's what we're going to talk about today. Do I really need church? Do I really need church? Now, some of you might not want to raise your hands, but maybe you've had that thought before. Do I really need church? The question about church comes in a multiplicity of forms. Do we have to go to church to be a Christian? Do we have to go to church to be saved? Do we have to go to church to get to heaven? Now, each one of those questions is really just a variation of a larger question, and that's this. Is church attendance necessary for the Christian life? Now, see, the question itself appears easy enough to answer, right? But here's the problem. The problem is we're presupposing that it's just a very simple answer of either yes or no. But it's not really 
that simple of a question. The difficulty with this question is the problematic way that the question has been constructed. What do we mean by have to go to church or I must, must I go to church? See, because if you say that you must go to church, are we suggesting that any confession of faith is rendered null and void if you, you know, fail to sit in a church pew or on a wooden, uh, wooden pew 50 Sundays out of the year? How many Sundays is enough to check the box? If so, what does it mean for the people who work shift work or who mul hold multiple jobs to provide for their family? What about people that are sick or what about people that are legitimately shut in or, or maybe and we don't think about this a lot in our country, what about the people who live in a country where you can't go to church for fear of persecution or maybe even losing your life? If you can't make it to a weekend church service on a Sunday morning, is your salvation revoked? <laughs> in the third century, St. Cyprian of Carthage famously wrote this. He said, outside of the church, there is no salvation. Is that true? See, in the meaning, then you've got the different, and what about, what do we mean when we say church? What does that word mean? Now, do we mean a gathering of people? Do we mean a physical building of that name? I taught a 10-week series on what the church meant and what the church was. So by the way, I could go real deep into this, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do a deep dive today. But what does it mean? What does the church look like? Does the church have to consist of preaching and, and does it have to consist of singing? Does it have to consist of, of pastors and, and, and teachers? Can a, can a church be, uh, instead of coming here, what, can, can church be my weekly hangout with, with the guys over wings and a Diet Coke? Can, can my book club function as, as church? Is my small group enough to, to consider church? See, these are questions that a lot of people are wrestling with today. And church as we know it, whether you like church or dislike church, you can't argue this point. Church as we know it has been an integral part of our communities for centuries. Amen? I mean, just look around our country, look around Europe, look at the skyline of any city in America, and you're going to see some steeples. You're going to see some bell towers, right? Uh, walk, drive down any rural road here, a country road here in Virginia, and what's going to happen? Eventually, you are going to come to a white building <laughs> with a gravel parking lot in various stages of elegance or disrepair because churches are part of who we are here in America. But hear me, folks, the landscape is changing. Churches that used to meet in white buildings with steeples are now meeting in, in shopping centers and malls and in rented schools and homes and hotel meeting rooms. This church, Life Church, some of you that are new here may not know this. We met in an antique store. We met in an old house with a garage. We met in a 7-Eleven. And we met in four different schools over a nine-year period before we built this building. Amen. Some of y'all ought to just say, thank you, Jesus. I made it. I wasn't there for that. Amen. Or I made it through that. Some churches around the world even have to gather in secret, sometimes virtually underground, because they're afraid that they're going to be persecuted and they have to hide from the local authorities. You know what I think we ought to do right now? Let's just take 15 seconds and we ought to give God a praise and be thankful that we don't have to do that in this country. 
Can you do that right now? Thank you, Jesus. I'm lifting my hands because I can. I'm praising you because I can. I'm thankful that I have this opportunity today. Amen. Don't ever forget we're blessed in America with our freedom of worship. Amen. And by the way, let me say this too. Well, I'll save, I'll save that for later. Amen. What is the church? The structure and the programming of individual churches. It's wide-ranging. It depends upon culture. It depends upon denomination. Even in the New Testament, it talked about a vast diversity of local churches as missionaries like Paul endeavored to spread the gospel, and he traveled from Jerusalem to Rome and points beyond. I want you to understand something today, guys. Cookie-cutter churches were never God's intention. They weren't. By the, the time of the conclusion of the New Testament, it's very obvious that each, each local church had unique characteristics that set it apart from other churches. God's people gathered in a variety of places and settings, and yet, even today, they gather for the same beautiful purpose, to share the saving gospel of Jesus Christ and to build disciples. Can the church say amen to that? Now, the church matters because it was God's idea and it was God's plan. Look at Matthew chapter 16, 18. This is Jesus speaking to the apostle Peter. He said, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Amen. So, is the church a location or is it a way of life? Is the church a place I go to? And is my presence enough? And if my presence is enough, how often is my presence enough? Or do I have to participate in some other way? What if I go, but I don't use my gifts? What if I go, but I don't give uh, financially or give of my time? What if I've been hurt in the past by the church? Does that mean that I get to get a jet, get out of jail free card and I get a free pass? See, I hope you can see that this really is not just a simple yes or no question. Because there's a lot, hear me, there's a lot of genuine people, sincere people who really want to know how does church attendance affect my relationship with Jesus? Now, if I'm going to be totally honest with you, there's also a lot of people out there, if they were really telling the truth of the whole story, they're just bitter and they're just carnal and they're just lazy and they're just mad because something didn't go right, something didn't happen the way they thought it would happen. Maybe they had a falling out with the preacher or falling out with somebody in the church. So they're using that to launch their crusade to say, I love Jesus, but I don't care for his bride. And by the way, the Bible does say that the church is the bride of Christ. So just for me, I can't speak for every married man in this church, but please don't come and tell me you love me, but you don't like my bride. Amen, because that ain't going to work real well for me. I wonder if Jesus feels the same way. So how do we navigate this complex question? Do I really need church? Does the Bible say that we must go to church to live the life of faith? Well, I'm going to answer it for you this way, and then we're going to do a deep dive on it. The answer is no. And it's also yes. <laughs> the answer is no, you don't have to go to church, but the answer is yes, you really need to go to church. I'm going to unpack that for you here today. Would it shock you to think that church attendance, getting your perfect attendance trophy at the end of the year, might not be 
necessary to live an active and robust life of faith. How many of you remember growing up, maybe you've been going to church or you were raised in church as a child, and I have learned that this wasn't just in my church tradition growing up. I grew up as a young Pentecostal, but I've, I've talked to Baptist friends and Methodist friends, same thing. How many of you remember the church attendance pen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I talked to somebody after the first service today, and she said she still has her pen with 16 pens on it of 16 consecutive years of not missing a Sunday. I never will forget, my grandpa was my pastor, and I remember once a year, I think it was the first, I don't know what Sunday it was, it was the Sunday in January when all the people that didn't miss a Sunday the previous year would get their pen. So you might remember it was a little teeny pen, and it'll say a year, and then it had two little gold chains hanging off of it. And it was hanging there so you could put more pens on it. And I remember some of those old church mothers would come to church that day, and you would have thought they were a four-star general. You would have thought they were the dictator of a banana republic. They had so many chains and badges hanging down, and they were standing there like, you better, you better salute me today, amen, or you're going straight to jail. I mean, they were wearing them perfect attendance pins like a real uh, trophy of honor, amen. Some of y'all might have been those people, I don't know. But you know what, let me say right up front, let me give the disclaimer, I am all about coming to church. Ain't nobody loves the church any more than I do, amen? And I'm gonna talk more about that in a few minutes. But when we make church attendance part of our Christian life to the extent that we consider that it is part of our salvation, we are actually twisting what should be a community of faith into a superficial structure of works and legalism. Let me explain what I'm talking about. We mistakenly assume that there is something that we must do to earn our place in the kingdom of God. And you have to understand the Bible affirms that there is nothing that we can do to earn God's love or favor. Amen. Come on, you need to give God a praise for that right now. Because I'm going to just tell you right now, if it was about doing, none of us would pass the test. The best one among us is still not good enough to earn your place in heaven, amen? As a matter of fact, Paul actually addressed it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Look what he says. He said, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and notice, and you can't take credit for this. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And look at verse 9. He just drills down a little deeper. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. You don't earn it. You can't brag about it, amen? It was a free gift, amen? Salvation is not something you and I can take credit for, and it is not a reward for the good things we've done. Hear me, nowhere does Scripture mandate attending church or any other good thing we do as a condition of our salvation. I want to help us today to have the right attitude, not just do the right thing, but do it for the right reason with our approach with church. In fact, by the way, it's consistent with Jesus' own life and ministry. 
Countless rules and regulations in Jesus' day dictated how Jewish men and women lived their life faithfully before God. This involved everything from what they ate, when to work, who they could associate with, where they had to be on certain days. Hear me. And Jesus frequently went around the rules. Amen? Jesus frequently allowed his followers to do so as well. In one instance, the Pharisees confronted Jesus about this very fact, and they pointed out that his followers are doing, and this was the doing what is unjust on the Sabbath. And you know how Jesus responded in Mark 12? He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus teaches that an ongoing interactive relationship with him is more important than just attending to man-made rules of religious behavior. Amen. Thank you. It's true. Spiritual activities, no matter how well-meaning they are and no matter how good they are for us, hear me, they miss the point of connecting to Jesus when they become ends to themselves. Going to church just for church's sake doesn't help our spiritual growth, hear me, if you're doing it out of guilt or if you're doing it out of a works-driven or a rule-keeper mindset. Amen. It might even work negatively against you because you start relying on your works more than on his grace. Come on. Amen. So the Bible says, no, I don't have to go to church, but it also says yes. Are you ready? Let's look at Jesus again. Despite frequently breaking the religious rules, despite being critical of the temple structure and its leaders, despite all that, the fact remains, Jesus was frequently, regularly, and faithfully at the temple. Amen. Yes, he was. This is significant given the fact that Jesus is the only person who has ever walked the earth who could justifiably live his spiritual life all by himself. Amen. Because he was God in the flesh. Amen. Jesus did not need a community of faith to be connected to God. But those rules don't apply to us. And yet Jesus gathered a community around him. He lived his faith in the company of others. He attended worship at the temple. Why did Jesus himself participate in the community of faith? Or to put it another way, why did Jesus go to church? While Scripture does not command Christians to attend church, hear me, it does speak powerfully about the blessing of being involved in the body of Christ. James chapter 5 and verse 14, James exhorts anyone who is sick to do what? Look at it. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. The book of Hebrews calls Christians to this. Look at Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Some people say, well, I want to be a Christian like the New Testament Christians. Hear me. The early Christians did not live their faith in isolation. Amen? 
Those who joined the Christian faith were immediately immersed in a dynamic, active community of fellow believers. Look at Acts uh, chapter 2 and verse 42. It said the early Christians were devoted to prayer, to fellowship, to teaching, and to breaking of bread. Meeting together was the natural way that Christian people grew in their faith. The entire narrative of Scripture testifies to the importance of us having community and relationships in our spiritual lives. All the way from the very beginning in Genesis, God's identity was linked to establishing a holy people. In fact, when you read the Bible, Scripture rarely addresses just an individual. It addresses what? Groups of people, right? Nations, churches, entire groups of people. People who are a community of faith. People like us who are witnesses and recipients of the life-changing power and the presence of the living God. Amen. Now, if the early Christians embodied and lived out their faith in the atmosphere of a community of believers, hear me, why would we assume that we are somehow exempt from doing the same thing? I just want to I, I talk about it today. This whole idea of I love Jesus, but I don't like the church doesn't fly when you look at the entirety of the Bible. Amen? See, the question of whether you must go to church is like another question that I've heard. And they were sincere. They said, can I just worship God on the golf course or out fishing? Well, the answer to that is this. Of course you can. One time, maybe. <laughs> but do you? Right? Okay, maybe that first time out there golfing, oh, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. You know, knowing my luck, one day if I ever miss golf on a if I skip church on a Sunday to play golf, that would be the one day I would hit a hole in one and I would never be able to tell anybody about it. Amen. <laughs> that would be God's punishment. Yeah, now who are you gonna tell? Amen. But so you're out there and you're you're playing golf or you're fishing or or you're doing whatever, and you know what? That's all well and good. But how many Sundays are you gonna worship God on the golf course until it Playing golf on Sunday is just playing golf on Sunday. Or fishing is just fishing. Or cutting my grass is just cutting my grass. See, we lose that worship element. We, uh, let's look at COVID for an example. We started out with, let's take some weeks off from in-person church while we figured this whole thing out. Everybody remember that, March of 2020? We didn't know if the world was coming to an end or what was gonna happen. I mean, they made us think the apocalypse and, and everything. Uh, I mean, the, I was waiting for the four horsemen to come down. I was waiting for the locusts and the frogs, amen? We didn't know what was gonna happen, right? So for nine weeks, we shut out and we have church online, right? And many of us came back after nine weeks but there were others that stayed home, and I'm not faulting anybody for staying home. But three months becomes six months, and six months become nine months, and nine months becomes a year, and a year becomes 15 months, and now years become 18 months. And some people are just not ever going to come back to church anymore. See, too often what occurs when people separate themselves from active participation in the community of faith for an extended period of time is you no longer feel the need to be in the community of faith. Amen. So here's the deal. Ultimately, we need to change the question. Instead of asking, do I have to go to church? Instead of asking, do I really need the church? Here's a better question you really ought to ask. Can I really live my faith in isolation? Can I really do it? Because now I'm going to make some of you mad, but I'm just going to say it. 
I know I have never met somebody who professes to be a Christian that has no involvement with church whatsoever that is living an overcoming life. I haven't met them. Maybe they're out there. But with zero commitment to the church or the local body of Christ, I haven't met them yet. And if you're one of them, God bless you. Well, really, you're not. You're here, amen, or you're watching online. But I haven't met one yet. You know why? You can't become, I'm just gonna, you can't become all that God has called you to be and created you to be all by yourself. You can't do it, amen. Can I maintain my spiritual growth in isolation? Can I maintain an active prayer life? Can I serve others effectively when others is really just me, myself, and I? Amen. Folks, we've got to look at this issue of going to church over a length of time. Are you, did anybody backslide from nine weeks of church at home during COVID in March of 2020? I hope not. I don't think so. Amen. If you did, we really need to pray for you right now. Amen. But what about the long haul? What about, well, I, I spent my summers at the lake. Well, now it's fall and you're still not back and you're not connected to believers. Or I, I, I go to church, but I don't use my gifts for the glory of God. See, we gotta ask ourselves, what's my true heart and motive behind not being involved in church? Now hear me, I'm real big on this. I'm real big on not uh, attributing motive to people. I don't think that's my job. I think it's not fair when people try to question your motives or because nobody really understands your heart like you do, right? And some stuff might seem really obvious, but still at the end of the day, but we need to ask ourselves, what is my motive? See, I'm not talking about occasionally missing for whatever reason, but I'm talking about choosing to live your life out before God without other people in it. Amen. See, I'm going to start a new series uh, after Friend Day called Be My Neighbor. But how can I live my life all by myself? And as a Christian, how can I live my life isolated from the body? See, the better question is not, do I have to go to church? The primary question is, is it better for me to live out my faith in the company of others or all by myself? See, I think we all know the answer in our hearts. Now, hear me. Let me qualify this. Nothing in the Bible says that you need to attend a church where your joy and your safety and your mental health and your livelihood is at risk. There's some toxic communities out there, and hear me, there's some toxic churches out there, right? I hate to admit it, but there are. And you know what? God doesn't want you stuck in a toxic church. Come on, amen. And if you ever think this church is toxic, you need to find you another church, amen? Address it with us first, so maybe we can fix the problem. But hear me, it's not the will of God for us to be in churches that have hate and judgment and prejudice or toxic leadership or people that are full of pride. Come on, somebody. That, that, that does not represent the body of Christ of which Jesus is the head. And Jesus is the head of the body. That's why you can't reject the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of that body. Jesus will never call us, though, to remain in a community that does not lead us closer to his presence. See, folks, if we're all honest enough, and especially if you've been coming to church any amount of time at all, going to church is not always enjoyable and it's not always easy. Did he really say that out loud? Amen. And can I also tell you, that if you haven't had a conflict with somebody yet or nobody has said anything or done anything to church to make you mad, you ain't been going to church long enough. 
Because <laughs> it ain't is it going to happen, it's when is it going to happen, and who is it going to happen with? Because churches are full of people, and guess what? Ain't nobody perfect up in this house. Amen. But please, stop using church hurt, church hypocrites, church denominations, bad church experiences, disagreements with the pastor, having a fallout with your church friend as an excuse to say, I love Jesus, but I no longer have any use for the church. If you can't grow where you're planted, then find another church of people who need you and you need them. Find a place where you can be happy. And here, here's, this is a good sermon, right? Go there and grow there. Amen. Go there and grow there. If you can't do it here at Life Church, man, I hope you can. But find a place you can because it is the will of God for every believer to be a healthy, functioning part of the body of Christ. Don't quit the church. The devil tricked you and he won if you do that. You want to hear some funny sayings? Are you ready? I like paychecks, but I don't want to go to work. I want an education, but I don't want to go to school. I want to be married, but I want to live like a bachelor. I want to play in the NFL, but I don't want to be a part of a team. I want to play the piano, but I refuse to take lessons or practice. I love Jesus, but I can love him without his people or his representative body on the earth, the church. See how I slid that in there? <laughs> but see, really, it's the same thing, guys. The church is not beneficial because it is the church. It is beneficial because we become immersed in a community of support and encouragement and challenge and ministry. Amen. Do I have to go to church? No. And yes. <laughs> See, Jesus may not demand that you attend church, but that does not mean that he doesn't want you to be a part of one. Come on. See, when we're called to follow Christ, we are also called to belong to the body of Christ. When Jesus walked the earth, God worked through the physical body of Christ. Today, though, he is using us, his spiritual body. Did you know the church is God's instruments on the earth? We are his hands, we are his feet, we are his eyes, we are his heart. He works through us in the world. And he also works through us for each other. We each have a contribution to make. Hear me, one of the biggest hurdles in today's culture of independent individualism is that it has created spiritual orphans who are moving around from one church to another without any identity, without any accountability, without any commitment. Amen, thank you. And it's true. And you know how I can tell you, people come, they like the worship, they like the preaching, but as soon as the preacher or somebody tries to challenge them, you can see the hair stick up on the back of their neck. Face starts getting red, I'm going to find me another church. You know, it's kind of like, think about it like this, with our children. We, any of you parents know what this is? It's like everything's great while everything's great, Right? But as soon as you have to call your kids out on something, oh, you really shouldn't do that, or no, 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 I told you this, and, and that's not good for you. And you know what? And it's a, it's a battle of the wills. 
But God put us together to help one another, amen? You and I all need the body of Christ in order to be part of the body of Christ, amen? Now, I'm gonna wrap up today's message with a few quick reasons why you do need the church, amen? Are you ready? You need the church, first of all, because being in a church family identifies us as genuine believers, amen? See, I can't claim to be following Christ if I'm not committed to any specific group of disciples. Here's what Jesus said in John 13 and 35. Look, it says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another. See, when we come together in love as a church family, it is a testimony to the world. You know why? We got people from different backgrounds, different races, different social statuses, and it is a witness to the world. At least it's supposed to be. If the church is functioning the way it's supposed to function, no one believer can be the body of Christ on their own. We need others in order to fully express who God has created us to be. It is when we are together, not when we're separated, that we are his body. Amen. I need the church because number two, a church family moves us out of self-centered isolation. They got real quiet on that one, amen. I can really unpack. This is a good one, amen. The local church is the classroom for learning how to get along in God's family, amen. It is a lab for practicing unselfish, sympathetic love. You know, I often wonder, why do we expect, and I know why, but why do we expect church people to be perfect all the time and then we get mad and we have an imperfect response to an imperfect person and we can give ourselves grace, but we can't give other people grace? Amen? It's so easy to give myself grace, to give myself a pass, to understand, well, I, I know why you did that. I know why you said that. I know why you thought that. But I can't do that for Carl or Eddie or Evan. Amen. We have to understand, a church family will move you out of self-centered isolation. It will. I am less selfish when I am connected to the local church. It's just a fact. I am less selfish with my time, with my resources, with my life. Amen. As a participating member, you learn to care about others and you learn to share the experiences of other people. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 26. It says, if one part of the body suffers, all the other parts suffer with it. Or if one part of the body is honored, all the other parts share its honor. See, only by being in regular contact with ordinary imperfect believers can we really learn fellowship and experience the New Testament truth of being connected and dependent upon each other. Amen. You learn. It forces you out of self-centered isolation. Biblical fellowship is being as committed to each other as we are to Jesus. Did you, did you catch that? That's in the Bible. Biblical fellowship, we got to be committed, as committed to each other as we are to Jesus. God expects us to live our lives for each other. I can prove it to you. Most Christians know 1 John 3, 16. Can anybody say it real quick? For God what? That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? How many of you can quote 1 John 3, 16? 
Yeah, me either. Let me read it to you. 1 John 3, 16. Check this out. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Everybody say amen. We all know that part, right? But look at the rest of the verse. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. That is the word. We ought to give up our lives for our brothers. First of all, how can you have brothers and sisters if you're not living in community? If you're not living as a family. See, this is the kind of love that God expects us to show other believers, a willingness to love them in the same way that Jesus loves you. And being in a church family forces you out of selfish, self-centered isolation. It's no longer just me and mine. Come on, amen. It's no longer just what about me. It's no longer about, well, I don't want to come to a work day. I need to do stuff. I don't need to come to church. I don't want to invite my friends. I don't, I, I'll be there when I can be there. It forces us out of that self-centered isolation. Here's another reason why we need the church. Are you ready? A church family helps me build spiritual muscle. I've got a grandson. He just turned four years old. He's all the time do, doing hilarious stuff. Some stuff he ain't supposed to do is still funny, but he's, his mama and dad have to fix that. Amen. <laughs> But one thing he does that's really funny that I enjoy, and sometimes he'll do it in person, or even if we're FaceTiming on the phone, he'll do it. He always, he's all the time saying, hey, Papa, watch this. And you always know something's fixing to happen, amen. Hey, Papa, watch this. His thing he likes to do right now is, hey, Papa, watch this. And he drops down on all fours and he starts pumping out push-ups. And while he's doing them, he's doing this. He's looking to make sure I'm looking. Hey, Papa, watch this. Hey, Paul, and he does the push-ups, and then he jumps up, and he goes like this. <laughs> building that muscle. Amen. Did you know a church family will help you build your spiritual muscles? No one ever grows to maturity just by attending worship services as a passive spectator. Amen. I've got a gym membership. I've got a membership. I pay Gold's Gym $9.99 a month. I've got a little yellow card on my keychain to prove it. I got sick with COVID about a year ago, and I've probably only been back to the gym a couple of times. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Amen. Not long ago, just for the fun of it, just to entertain myself, I was driving past Gold's Gym, and I kind of waved my membership card at him, and I said, this is as close as I'm going to get to you today. Amen. And guess what, though? I'm not building any physical muscle because I'm not going to the gym. Amen? Uh, how many of you that go to the gym, you know, like, you, there's a day that you got leg day, right? You got arm day. You got chest day. See, I, I would know that if I went to the gym enough, right? But me, I mean, I've got like, okay, today is Bonchon's Korean chicken wing day. It's right next door to Gold's Gym. Amen? So... But you can't build the muscle if you don't get with the right people and do the right thing. Amen. Because it's too easy to just drive your car by and wave your little yellow tag and say, maybe I'll do it another day. Not today. Ephesians 4.16. As each part does its own special work, talking about the body, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
as each part does its own special work. It's kind of like when you join the gym. You remember when you join the gym, first time they always give you one free consultation with the, with the trainer, right? They're going around, they're showing you all the equipment. Welcome to Gold's. Yeah, we're so glad you're here. Here's how this works. Here's how this works. You can sign up for all these classes and yada, 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 yada. But then when you don't get involved, they start harassing you, right? Hey, have you thought about the gym? Have you thought about personal training? Have you thought, but you know what? They're there to try to help you take the next steps. Because they know a lot of people fall off the wagon if they don't get plugged in really quick. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. Over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another or each other is used. You know what we're commanded to do? And you can't do any of this by yourself. Love each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, admonish each other, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, submit to each other, be devoted to each other. And I could go on and on and on. That is what being a part of a church family looks like. See, these are family responsibilities that God expects every believer to fulfill through a local fellowship. That's why you can't just say, I love Jesus, but I'm done with the church. Because all of these commands, guess what? You can't do them without the body of Christ. Who are you going to do it with? Amen. I really need the church. I'm going to hurry. I got two more real quick. Come on up, praise team and musicians. I need the church because the church needs every one of us. Did you know that? And by the way, let me, I'm throwing this out here to remind you, it's not just about what I need. I need to be a part of the church because the church needs me. Other believers need me. They, bring what, they need what I bring to the table. God has a unique role for every believer to play in his family. It's called your ministry. And God has gifted you with this assignment. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Look at it from the Living Bible. The Holy Spirit displays God's power through what? Each of us as a means of helping all of us, each of us, all of us. And if we don't do the each of us, they'll never be in all of us. See, the local church is the place that God designed for his children to discover and develop and use their gifts. And then the last one I wanna share with you, we all need the church because the church helps me stay focused on what is right. Oh, I could preach about this one. Hear me, none of us are above distraction. None of us are above doctrinal error. None of us are immune to temptation. None of us are exempt from the pull of sin. None of us are holy enough or good enough to not potentially be pulled off course. Given the right situation, hear me, every single one of us are capable of sin. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. Amen. Come on, it's true, right? God knows this. So you know what he's done? He's given each of us individuals in our lives, he's given the responsibility of helping keep each other on track. This is where small groups, by the way, really come in handy. You develop relationships with people. You kind of help keep people on track. That's one of the reasons we do this. We gather on Sundays. We connect in groups and we serve on teams. 
It's on the walls. It's all around us. It's who we are. But it's to help us stay on the right track. Hebrews 3 and 13. Look at this. People, people don't want this. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. But see, in today's generation, people don't want somebody warning them. Michael, love you. You're great on this team. But guess what? What's going on in your life? I heard. I saw. What's, what's the deal? We don't like that. But guess what? It's the book. You got to warn each other every day. We're called and commanded to be involved in each other's lives. I love James 5.19 from the message. I love this verse. Are you ready? My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them and get them back. Amen. Come on, that's the mission of the church. We're supposed to be people of reconciliation. We're supposed to be people who bridge the gap, who help bring people back to God. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Satan loves detached believers. People who are unplugged from the body. Any of you ever watched those National Geographic or YouTube videos of predators in Africa when the lions are out and they're ready to get some lunch? and they see a herd of antelope or a herd of whatever it is. Have you ever watched what they do? They look for the straggler. They look for the one that has deviated from the herd. They look for the one that has gotten out from the circle of protection. They look for the weak one. They look for the one that's kind of drifted off. And that one is what becomes lunch or dinner for the lion. Did you know Satan is doing the same thing? He's looking for the stragglers. He's looking for the ones that are disconnected from the body. He's looking for the ones who said, I don't need the church. I don't need a pastor. I don't need brothers and sisters to hold me accountable. I can do this Jesus thing all by myself. I hear me. I'm looking right in the camera. I'm looking at some of you who are online watching and you're not connected to a church. You need the church. You need the people that are in the church. You need the body of Christ to help us stay on track. So here's my challenge today. We're getting ready to start our altar call. This is the third Sunday of September, the last Sunday of summer. Kids are back in school. For the most part, vacations are behind us. We're in the stretch of fall. We're getting ready to move toward the holidays. Hear me. It is a great time to recommit to the church. If you come to church once a month, I'm challenging you to step up your commitment. You really do need the church. If you're watching online and you don't have a church home, if you live in the Richmond, Virginia area, we'd love to have you here at Life Church. But if you're watching from somewhere else, find you a Bible-believing, spirit-filled church that you can become part of the body. Go there and grow there. Amen. Because we need the church. Because the church is each other. Come back to church. Be faithful. Don't hide behind all the excuses that people are using not to come to church these days. Because for the most part, if we're honest, we know they're just excuses and they're keeping you and I from living the abundant life that God has called us to be. 
Because the Christian life is more than just a commitment to Christ. It includes a commitment to other Christians. And you can't do that all by yourself. So I'm going to give an altar call for two groups of people right now. First of all, those of you who may not even consider yourself a Christian. It's more important to join the global body of Christ than it is to pick a local church right now. Amen? The thing you need to do the most right now is you need to get in the body. So I want to encourage you to repent of your sins. Invite the Lord into your life. Begin that journey today. Ask God to fill you with this spirit. Be baptized in His name. Do what you need to do to join the body and start serving the Lord with your whole heart. Invite Him into your life. But secondly, and I'm going to ask us to do something today a little different in our altar call. If you consider yourself a believer, if you consider yourself a part of this church family, I want to invite you to step out from where you are, and we're going to pack into this altar. And we just want to say, Lord, I want to recommit, not just to you, but to your body. I need the church. My family needs the church. My kids that are upstairs right now learning about Jesus need the church. My grandson that is upstairs learning about Jesus right now needs the church. My daughter and my other granddaughter that are serving in the nursery right now so we can have church. They need the church. Come on, somebody. Amen. We all need the church. So I'm going to ask you to come. I want the praise team to begin to sing. And I want you to just step out from where you are and come down and say, Lord, I'm committing or I'm recommitting myself to the body of Christ. God, I want to use my gifts for the glory of God. Come on, today's not a day of judgment. If you've been a little slack, that's all right. Make a fresh start today. Say, God, I want to recommit myself. I want to serve you, God. I want to get plugged in to the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together, amen. Yes.
like to see the influence of the church diminished where in many of these western nations less than 10% of the people identify themselves as Christians it's cold it's dark there's beautiful buildings that are shut down they turn them into hotels they turn them into restaurants they turn them into nightclubs all over these cities I mean buildings that are amazing where people used to worship God And you might think, well, what's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is. And the entire nation is enveloped in spiritual darkness. We have to understand that we are salt and light. And folks, we can't let it happen here in America, amen? We gotta be the church. We gotta be the church and we have to let our lights shine. Lord, I thank you today for the men and women that are in this room. I thank you for the men and women that are serving upstairs right now, our children. I thank you for the men and women in the lobby and in the nursery, God, that are using their gifts for the glory of God. The men and women on this stage, the men and women in this audience, God, help us to be the church. Help us to remember, God, that your body is a gift. Your body is a gift to us. Help me to never say, God, that I love you, but I reject your body. That I accept you, but I reject your church. Because these are my brothers and my sisters. And that's how people will know that I love you is how I love the body of Christ. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have an amazing week. And if I don't see you on Saturday at 9, I'll see you next Sunday on Friend Day. Bring somebody with you. Have an amazing week. God bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.